Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. So, today, you picked Exhibit A. I did. Because it's a... Found footage film! Oh no, is it a film or a movie? I feel like film is the inappropriate moniker for this. Whatever. Um, and yes, it is found footage. So uh, this is our first found footage of the season. I'm sure it will not be our last. It better not. Um, so Exhibit A was from, uh, well, Prime says 2010, which means it was probably 20, uh, 2009 because uh, usually yeah, it's off know. by a year. But anyway, somewhere around there. And we watched it on Amazon Prime. And this was the movie of one man's descent into madness. Yeah, that's a pretty good way of describing it. As it takes place in a very general family of four in a house in Leeds kind of way. So where do you want to start with this? Can oh I say... That, so we've established, dear listeners, this year we've established for ourselves... The rule of we each pick four things to talk about for each movie because we're trying not to have Brand our podcast be 45 minutes long every time. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, haha. This is going to be difficult for me because I am discovering that certain movies have so many little things that I want to talk about that it's very difficult to pick four. So I just want to say I had a very hard time. Okay, was that four. one of your four? No. <laughs> yeah, I I don't have a lot to say. So why don't you just say everything and I'll just go, uh-huh, yeah. So podcast as normal. Yes, podcast <laughs> standard setting. Humble life as normal. Yes, it's just how we do things. Um, I mean, okay. where do you start? So let's start as if this were a film. There were a few elements that I found. I, I think this is something I'm going to do this year is... I'm going to have a little box in my notes for, like, uh, cinematic elements that that were used that I thought were either done well or done poorly. Cameras. They did use cameras. Sound. Yes. Sometimes there was light. Sometimes. That's true. (laughs) It wasn't always there. Um, Okay. So, this this whole movie was filmed on one handheld camera. Yeah. And at the very beginning, they go to the beach, and it it gets left on. So, the, the idea is that on this... On this tape, the entire tape is filled full of just watching them have a beach day where they're yeah. where it's candid and they're not paying attention to the camera, right? Mm-hmm. And then of course they back it all up and they record other things over it. But we keep seeing these like snippets of the beach day. Yeah, just little torn bits in between the recordings. Right. I thought that was awesome. I loved it. That's one of my four notes. Well, elaborate. Well, how did it make your your four? Well, I felt that that was a really good structure, especially when at the very end of the movie you get a 
a chunk of it because you know it's longer than the thing they recorded over that they were recording over it. Yeah, it has a real effect on the mood and message. So I liked that, like they did a good job. I felt of of having the arc of Dad going from just like zany because he, he was zany. he was annoying in the beginning. Like I yeah. never liked Dad. Well, this was a Dad joke, Dad. He yeah loved. Uh, I had. This is a thing that I figured out when I was uh-huh. in the bathroom in the middle uh-huh. of the movie. Michael Scott. This dad <gasps> loves comedy, but is terrible at it. Yes. He's got a collection of comedy items, and he's just like... This is Michael yeah. Scott if Michael Scott had had a family. Yeah, which Ooh. good thing he never did, because right? this is what would happen. Um, yes, he's definitely a dad joke dad. He He's wacky and zany. He thinks he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. His teenage kids do not think he's hilarious. His wife... Thinks he's funny. Like, she appreciates the humor that he brings to her very stodgy, practical self, right? Yeah. But he takes it way too far. Of course. And then she has to clean up the mess, right? So I liked the way they showed him disintegrating from just wacky, zany, a little bit disconnected from everybody because he's so focused on his own humor and how he sees the world and how the world Mm -hmm. sees him. Down to the depths that it reached, and it reached deep depths, people. Like, yeah. I'm going to assume that because we're a horror podcast, you you know horrible <laughs> things happen. But this one, trigger warnings, folks. Like, there are some pretty significant uh, psychological things that go on in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's as as horror actions go, it's mild. It's like, yes. whatever. But it's we only saw so blood at, at the very end, like with in yeah. like the last ten minutes. That's a that's something I noticed was that I, I called back one cut of the dead because <laughs> he's sitting there murdering his wife. Her head is off screen as he's murdering her, and there weren't big sprays of blood or anything. But he, he beats on her a little bit, and then he's kind of sitting there being sad about it. And you know while he's doing that, there's someone putting blood all over her face before he drags her back onto camera, which yeah, was great. That, I, I didn't make that connection, but I do I do see it. Yep. So I liked the way they did that, and, and it, it definitely followed that arc well. But throwing in these little snippets of just straight up normal, everyday, we're getting along, we like each yeah. other, we're mostly having fun, like taking little bits of normal and flashing it through the disintegration made the disintegration that much more obvious. Yeah. And so then that last bit where they're just like, they're packing up from their day at the beach and, and it's just, you can feel how much they are a cohesive family in that, on that beach day. And it's so contrasts where they ended up. That's so how did they get there? Like, wh- what happened to this guy that he got himself in so much trouble? Okay, so one of my other points, mm-hmm. we're going to skip away from my cinematic elements for a moment. Right. One of my other points was at one point I made the note, this whole movie could have been avoided if this family didn't lie to each other to save face. <laughs> That's what the dad thought, too. <laughs> and then four bullet points later, I made the note, I like how he took what I said earlier and proved <laughs> me wrong because 
He dragged all their secrets out into the open and made everything so much worse. Yeah. That was a whole thing where he was doing the, why are you being afraid of me? Stop being so afraid of me. And it's making me angry. Oh, That's yeah. That's a scary situation. Nobody hates people being afraid more than someone who is abusing them. Yeah. He got really scary and really upsetting at the end. Yeah. And I thought he did a good job of it. Like, I actually felt like, I don't know, it, I guess I'm of two minds because I was enough out of the movie that I had the thought, this is a really intense scene to be acting. Like, all <laughs> yeah. of these four people are working really hard right now. <laughs> like, I had that thought, which probably means they weren't working hard enough. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but it was intense. It had that that reality to it because, I mean, even after they had this crazy, basically, dad is the stalker monster in their house that mm -hmm. they're hiding from scene, after that, they still have kind of some family togetherness of sorts before it's all over. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there is that, you know, in reality, you can't just say, well, that's it. He's, he's a killer. Let's worry about that. I mean, he hadn't killed anyone yet, but, you know, they knew he had beaten that, that guy. Right. And no. And and the things it, it at that point, it was definitely an interesting situation because I think that's that's what is scary about this movie is that the possibility that you don't realize how broken someone's mental state is yeah. until it's too late. Like that's a thing that happens. And so many, so many women and so many families get caught in that situation where, like, y you're trying to make it okay. You're trying to fix it. You're trying to understand and help them and do your part. And you don't realize the other person is broken beyond what you can fix yourself in that moment. And yeah. I think that's what happened. Like, you asked... How did they get to this point? Well, yeah. it started, then it was just straight up lying about things that happened because he was embarrassed. You know, he didn't get the promotion and they thought he did. And he was like, yeah, uh, I got it. So he was, he was odd, but not dangerous odd. He was just like, okay, I would find him annoying, but clearly his wife saw something in it. You know, mm -hmm. who knows what people see in their significant <laughs> others. I, I rarely know. I managed to find the perfect person for me, so... Who guess... is obnoxious and makes jokes <laughs> all the time. I think the idea is that that's a thing that everybody does. I mean, maybe not everybody, but just about everybody lies at some point in their yeah. life to save face. But then you add that to him, the individual of him that had this other underlying issue that came out because of the pressure. And I think that's the... Yeah. That's the, the formula for this I mean, movie. It, it did. It built up because then he was just stacking the lies. Mm -hmm. But, man, he was just so dumb. Everything he was doing was wrong. He yeah. was so bad at everything. Yeah. I Yeah. Which gets to kind of a, a, a angle this movie had for me, which was kind of... It's hard to describe it because it's not toxic masculinity he wasn't you know caught up in being tough or whatever mm -hmm. but it is white male privilege something there's a thing there where he was like come on everybody you know i'm having fun have fun with me it's 
everyone has to fit my plan and be doing what I want to be doing. It's interesting that you say that. And um, for those who have listened to these before, here we are in our very first solely takes things way too seriously Mm. moment of the season. It's interesting that you say that because I think that, that we have seen that over and over and over again on the news recently that if you are a middle-aged white guy of decent income, you can act crazy and people will just assume that you're being funny or whatever. Like they just kind of stand back. Like the, the scene in the movie where he's trying to get people to dance with him after Ray has come and confronted him and he almost gets caught having, you know, that whole thing outed that he was the one who beat Ray up and he's like wildly frantically dancing on this layer of sand he put over his lawn in front of the homemade swimming pool he built. Yeah, that's where like, we were. The guy was intense. And everyone, all his neighbors at the party were just like they were clearly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They were all backing away from him. They were all giving him space. But nobody was like, hey, I think we should call the cops or yeah. I'm going to pull out a gun or... grab a shovel that's why it's England and not America (laughs) well that's true but like these days and it is England and I don't know what England is like with this but if this had taken place in America and that person had been anyone other than a middle aged white guy something would have been done at that point and and that's that's where we are yeah then he killed his family (laughs) so okay when I was talking about how the arc went and I felt like it was believable. I was I was on board mm-hmm. with it. The, the one point where I wasn't on board was things got to the point where he's talking about how, you know, there's only one thing I can do. And I'm like, okay, here we have, yeah. here we go. Angel of mercy. He's going to kill his whole family. Like I was uh-huh. ready for it. And then he starts talking about how his daughter's going to grow up and he's not going to see it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. He's only talking about himself. He's not planning on taking everybody with him. Okay. I mean, it's not great. It's not okay. It's but not. it's better than what I was expecting. Do not right? try this at home. <laughs> yes. Disclaimer. Um, and then his daughter somehow sees him or whatever and comes in and he's like giving her a hug. And somewhere in the middle of that hug, he went from, I'm going to remove myself from mm-hmm. this equation to the angel of mercy. I have to take them all with me. It's yeah. the only way to save them. I mean, that was the impulsive thing, and it was, I mean, he he was doing that all the time, that sudden change of plans, because Mm -hmm. the situation has changed a little bit, and I'm not going to think this through, I'm just going to do what feels right, and that begins the snuff film portion of the movie. Right? Yeah. It was, yeah. And he's through the whole thing saying, well, it wasn't supposed to hurt, like... (laughs) Right, because bludgeoning and suffocation are the two best-known peaceful ways to die. Yeah. Like, what? I mean, that was, again, the justification after the fact. Very much so. Yeah, everything that he did. he It was whatever he wanted to do in the moment, or whatever he felt he had to do in the moment, and then trying to explain it away afterwards. Yeah, and it, I mean, I can kind of identify with that, this idea that you know, our brains really do make decisions before we know we're making the decision and then we mm-hmm. justify it. And that's 
he's kind of just doing that. He's he's spends his whole life justifying something he did for no reason at all. Yeah. Which is Well, I think if you let your brain do that and you don't have the secondary, like, okay, my brain has decided this is what we're going to do. Let's think it through. Like, there's a check or balance or, like, Mm -hmm. there's a way to stop yourself from doing every thought that comes into your head. He just didn't have that safety engaged in any way. Yeah. And and in a way his wife was the safety. Like like that was what their relationship was, which is a pretty toxic codependent relationship when yeah, you really that's think about very it. Interesting. Yeah. Because he was the, you know, he was the wacky person and she was the straight man in their duo and yeah. so it was really her job to kind of rein him in. That's an interesting take cuz it feels like this movie Go, pulls that thread of the sweater and unravels it. Yeah. Is, you know, like the what whole happens? time he's pulling away from that control and right. she's going, all right, whatever. And that's what happens when he's set loose. Right, right. Or, yeah, because there were times when he, well, I mean, there were a lot, the whole movie is about how he keeps making decisions that she can't undo for him. She yeah, can't clean she up. She can't fix them. And then the fact, the added fact that he's hiding the need that to clean it up in the first place. Yeah. It all accumulates. But like psychologically that was really was very interesting. That being said, everything I've said so far makes it sound like I really enjoyed this movie. I'm saying a lot of positive things about it. Okay. But one of my notes is somehow terrifying and boring at the same time. <laughs> I didn't find that same thing. I was really interested like I don't know, it's like it didn't dissolve quickly like it was Mm -hmm. mostly just this family movie of kind of a creepy dad but i kept wondering what all the different parts were so i was i was interested but yeah there's not a lot going on really it's just i mean there kind of is if you think of it like as a a crime movie or something like that he's getting himself into this Mm -hmm. trouble and it's it's a problem well and and to a certain degree the decision to have this be a found footage film put that constraint on them because, like, it couldn't just come out. Like, none of this stuff could just come out. We couldn't just watch him beat up Ray. We couldn't just watch him get fired or, you know, he didn't get fired, but, like, we couldn't just watch him miss out on the promotion. He had to, like, these things had to come out organically as mostly the daughter was filming things. So, like... All these pieces of information about these characters had to be woven into these random daily exchanges that they were having. Yeah, and there was definitely a case of why are you filming this and all that throughout the movie. There was all kinds of that and and convenient camera syndrome where they're like, I'll just set this down over here and oh look, it's pointing right at what's happening. Well, that is absolutely true. But at the same time, when you have a found footage film that has multiple POVs, usually I get really annoyed at how the camera gets passed off uh-huh. to, you know, from one person to another. Like, it's it's like passing a baton. And I'm like, <laughs> what? no, stop. What are you doing? This This is so unnatural. And I actually liked the way that was handled in this movie. Like, any time the camera was moved from one person to another it was done like the brother was being annoying and like grabbed it from the sister or 
um, you know, one of them dropped it because something was happening and another one came and picked it up and it was conveniently pointed so that yeah. we didn't have to piece together from what we were hearing. But I thought they did the the multiple POV part of it better than a lot of yeah, found footage Yeah, definitely better than many situations. There was um, parts where I was like, it's a shame this is found footage. Like when it, there were two different times in the movie where they needed to play what was on the camera. And so because of that, the movie just jumps to after they played it. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's kind of, we missed the very dramatic scene in which this crazy footage was seen by people. Yeah. And, and then it's also weird that they started filming again afterwards. They're like, oh, hold on. Let me get that camera back. And <laughs> then we'll have this argument about it. Well, part of my note about how I sort of liked how they did the POV was if you accept the fact that they're all obsessed with recording everything they do. Yeah. Because which that, is a standard in yeah. found footage. Which is why I struggle with them every time. Like, I'm just like, nobody would be doing yeah. this. I buy into it to varying degrees. Like, I mean, I let it go, basically, to yeah. varying degrees. Yeah. I, I don't believe it ever, but it yeah. can be acceptable. Oh, the one part that I didn't like was, and it stopped happening a lot toward the end, but it was happening a lot at the beginning. The daughter was doing this voiceover thing. Yeah. And it was so expository. Like, yeah. I'm watching what's happening. Like, I don't need you to explain to me why we're seeing this bit of it. Like, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make sense that she would be explaining to the camera why she's recording what she's recording. Yeah, there were definitely some lines that were thrown in there. But I thought some of them were interesting because it made me think of the book slash TV series You when she's filming Claire and going, there's your mom. She's getting putting your stuff on the washing line. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's uh that's I I I was left wondering in like the first half of the movie if like she was going to start killing people or maybe she would kill the neighbor girl and then there would be like right this whole mystery about it but no, no it was just the dad. It was dad. Yeah, there was an interesting little side um love triangle happening between herself, the neighbor girl and her brother. And I mean it almost feels okay it made the characters more real because it gave them sides like like the daughter in particular is a much more well-rounded character because of that even the son i guess yeah i don't know why she liked him but okay but at this i think they were closer in age like i think the daughter was a little bit younger younger but it felt mostly like that whole love triangle thing was in there because it it wasn't really long enough to be a whole movie without it and they needed like a b story to flush it out well that's the trouble with these kind of movies is basically all you've got in the movie is this dissolution of sanity Mm -hmm. so all you can do is just a series of scenes of increasing insanity so you kind of yeah it's a question of how much there should be and what what do we actually need to see but the thing is there are times when those side stories are woven in in a way where they come together in some way there was no real resolution i mean she gave back the basketball outfit that she had stolen off the line yeah i don't know how that went that's weird (sighs) But that was it. Like, that was the entire resolution of the whole thing. And I'm like, well, 
then why? What what was the point? Yeah, I don't Other know. than for the daughter to have a secret to be outed. It wasn't a lot of point. And really? They made a bigger deal out of the revelation that the daughter was attracted <laughs> to the neighbor girl than they did over finding out that their son was getting attention from people <laughs> in their own bedroom. Like, Is that what that's called? <laughs> okay. I mean, I had... I went through a series of ways I could express <laughs> that in my head, but most of them were unacceptable for the we'll rating we stick with. Stick with that description. That's very good. Um, but honestly, of those two, one of them is much more upsetting to me than the other. Yeah, yeah. And they weren't really upset by it; they were just surprised by it. Yeah, they just they talked. They about talked it about it a lot. Um, I liked the laundry day motif that went through it, though. Did you notice that, like? It was all about hanging the clothes on the line next door. And then there was the point where he was watching the washing machine go. True. And, and the whole, like it all, at that point I was like, oh, dirty laundry. He's going to air their dirty, dirty laundry. laundry. His dirty laundry is being aired. Like, oh, there's a whole theme happening here. It, it fizzled a little bit <laughs> at the end, but it was there for a minute. What I was seeing here, which I thought was kind of an interesting no, this to me, I was feeling like I was watching The Shining, except there was no supernatural excuse for his insanity, which is kind of interesting. I mean, in The Shining, it's basically a metaphor, but mm-hmm. it's it's still there. Like there's still a monster, a ghost, you know, driving him mad. And here it's just, guess what? It just happens. Yeah, he, like, he is just, he just snaps like that's. There is an issue with his brain chemistry that drives him to do these terrible things, which that's my kind of horror movie. I know it is. I like when the scariness is that people are terrifying because I believe that. Like I, I watch that and I'm like, yeah, this is scary because this could happen. I watch The Shining and I'm like, "Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm, yep, I don't believe in any of that, so I'm good. Like, I'm much more likely to have nightmares about a regular guy deciding he needs to kill his whole family because that's the only way to keep them safe because that stuff happens. It does happen. And I was, you know, when I see found footage, I want there to be a ghost. That's the whole reason (laughs) for found footage. And it was maybe a third of the way through this movie where I was like, There's no chance. I mean, from the beginning, I didn't think there was going to be a ghost because it's called Exhibit A. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's a crime thing. About like, they started, they were looking at the house they were going to buy. And I'm like, oh, they're going to move into that house and it's haunted. Like, that's what happens. Yeah, I did have that thought. But very quickly, it was like, no, that's not where we're going with this. Mm -hmm. And there's no chance that there will be a ghost. Oh, well. Hmm, Sad, Mikey. Yeah. What did you think of the decision to leave the camera downstairs after he strangled his his daughter and he goes upstairs where his son and his wife are sleeping? He leaves the camera. And so for a significant period of time, a couple minutes, five minutes, seven minutes. I don't know. It's a while. Maybe not that long. I said five to seven minutes. Okay. Um... (laughs) (laughs) But for a significant period of time, movie time, Yeah, we are sitting, we can see like the legs of the daughter who is newly dead, 
And we're just staring at this doorway where we know that we just watched him go up the stairs off screen and yeah. we're listening to the noises from upstairs. And that what was, did you think of that? Choice? All I could think about the whole time was she has to lay there perfectly still. <laughs> and this is all, you know, this is one shot. It's going to be this whole scene. It's one shot. And how many times did they do this shot. over and over? And she's just laying there, not moving at all. Yeah. <laughs> So that makes me forgive. I didn't, I never realized that one shot thing until you pointed out (laughs) because I just don't pay attention to that. But now I am a little more willing to forgive the two times that I saw once the son and (laughs) once the wife where he's trying to reposition them after they're dead and he's like dragging them and he lets go of their arm (laughs) and their arm stays up in the air. And I'm like, well, that person's not dead. Well, and we found out later neither was the daughter. So, well, okay, so that that was intentional. I was thinking about that as we, you were setting up in here, and I'm like, oh, Exhibit A, she is alive. Because I was going to ask you, do you think she lived? I do. Exhibit think she A, lived. she definitely lived. This, although there's no trial to be had. Wait, was the dad alive or dead? He was end? alive at the end. I so mean, it doesn't mean he didn't do anything after yeah because he was all i'm gonna i'll i'll join you soon yeah (laughs) and you were like yeah 30 years later (laughs) yeah he's i mean you know how he is and how good his decision making oh yeah no he he was definitely the kind of guy that you would think would kill his entire family as like a family murder thing and then at the last minute be like you know what (laughs) i don't think it's my time yeah you guys good luck I don't think I I don't think I can do it. So exhibit A tells me that he is still alive and she is still alive and this was like the trial of him up for murder yeah twice I mean, over and attempted murder and who knows what else. She wouldn't have to be alive for him to be going to trial but I, she was yeah, I, I, I think she was. Ratings. Hmm. You know, I found myself enjoying this much more than I would expect for this kind of movie. Like, I don't know, like, watching the crazy guy, it's not my thing, and... I don't know, having him dance and be like, come on, dance with me, dance with me. Like mm-hmm. that, I don't like that. It's very upsetting to watch that kind of stuff. And uh, I really did not like the actual death part. Like it was, I mean, it was a snuff film, but it was also even not interesting or anything. It was like mm-hmm. kind of dumb. And also, oh my gosh, she took forever to strangle which is very realistic and it wasn't supposed <laughs> to hurt. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a lot of strangling. So overall I I I did enjoy this movie, but it's not great and whatever. I'm gonna give this one a wonderful three basketball kits out of five. Yeah, just okay. kind of down the middle. I, it was not bad. It's and I think it was well done. It was well acted and whatnot. Like this was for found footage, especially it felt well put together. Mm-hmm. 
I'm having a hard time rating this one because I agree with you that it was very middle of the road. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it appealed to me in certain ways. There, the the aspects of this man disintegrating from normal entitled white guy nonsense <laughs> to he should be locked up, but nobody's going to lock him up because he can do whatever he wants because he's a white guy. (laughs) There was something there that was scary and was real to me. And the fact that he, he doesn't understand why he's the bad guy. He keeps asking, how did I get to be the baddie here? When it's so obvious from watching it, why he's the bad guy, but he truly doesn't know. And even when she tries to explain it to him, because she still is in that role of trying to fix things for him, he says, I refuse to accept that. Like, he just cannot accept responsibility for the choices that he has made that have brought them to this place. And he continues to not accept responsibility even past that point. It was scary in that realistic way, while also failing to actually be really all that scary. Sort of like how uh, an off-brand ice cream sandwich is tasty, but not really tasty. So I'm going to give this movie three and a half basketball kits out of five. Okay. Because I almost want to give it a four, but I just can't quite. All right. Well, I think we have uh, talked excessively, and we should move on to our next movie. (laughs) So we'll see you next time. Bye.